Hello everyone, welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl and I talk about how you can start, run and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called Audience Discovery, The Importance of Budget. Let's get started. When founders are looking for that perfect target audience for their business, they often get many things right. They pick the right audience that they know intimately, that they have interesting problems in there to solve, and they, they really care about helping those people. However, I see too many founders struggle with the vital part of the audience discover process, one that they sometimes miss, making sure that your future customers are willing to pay for solutions to their problems. And I want to dive into this issue today because it might be the most dangerous tripwire on your entrepreneurial journey. Not everyone who has a problem is willing to open their wallet for a solution. And that's kind of hard to understand, because for founders, that means that there's a big difference between an interesting problem and a problem worth solving. Consider people who love coffee. While they are willing to spend a lot of money on a good coffee maker, and they pay a premium for imported beans, they usually have a very limited budget. Even if you're a coffee enthusiast yourself, you'll have a hard time convincing other bean experts to pay a monthly subscription fee for your roasting aroma optimization SaaS. It's this old discussion of the main dish versus the side dish. What's the most critical thing you can help people with? What will they spend their money on? The coffee beans? Yeah, likely. The machine that grinds them and turns them into this hot cup of bliss that they want every morning? Yes. But will it be your product? Will it be your little adjacent SaaS? Not necessarily. So budget is something we need to look into. And willingness to pay is something that you need to measure before committing to building anything for a particular audience. I chose this coffee example purposefully. There's a clear budget expressed here. People will pay for beans and machines. They have done so for hundreds of years and they will do so in the future. And they have to pay for that. Otherwise, they wouldn't get a drink of coffee every day or however many they drink. But some audiences, maybe coffee makers or coffee consumers included, might not even have a budget for any digital solution at all. I've seen dozens of founders attempt to build digitally enabled tools for companies like hair salons, and they fail almost every single time. No matter how promising their SaaS products were, they're either not adopted at all, people didn't even try, or they were quickly abandoned after a short trial period because people reverted to their previous methods. In an industry like hair salons, where scheduling is done with a phone, a pen, and a calendar, it's incredibly hard to sell a replacement solution. Many hair salon owners don't have a budget for digital tools. They might have one for pens, but not for software. They never had one. And it's tough to convince them to create one because that would take money from someplace else. I remember how we debated this when my partner Danielle and I started our business Feedback Panda back in 2017. Our target audience was online teachers. And we wondered if they would ever consider paying money for a SaaS-based solution to any of their professional challenges. We just didn't know, right? We didn't want to build a business only to find out that our prospective customers didn't have a budget for professional tools and they wouldn't want one. So we did some research and we asked ourselves two questions. The first one is, do they already pay for solutions to their problems? 
And since we were deeply embedded inside the online English teacher communities, we were on Facebook and on Twitter and wherever these communities sprung up, lots of private forums too, we had an easy time actually figuring out if they had a budget for digital tools to begin with. We observed that whenever a new member joined one of those communities, they would be greeted with a lot of recommendations to make their jobs easier. Just lots of behavioral stuff and how to take notes and and other things. But one of them was the suggestion to purchase a $50 license for a webcam-enhancing software called Minicam, which would allow teachers to change their screen background, add quirky animals and cute shapes to their video streams. Seasoned teachers recommend this because it's imperative to keep the students engaged to get above-average teaching results, and with those above-average results come above-average ratings, and with that comes better pay. So it's a very clear value trade. You invest $50 initially and you reap the benefits for a long time using the software. So they understood that there was a value in software. But that's where our validation efforts ended and the speculation began. We knew they'd pay for software, but we didn't know if they would pay for service subscriptions, right? We didn't know if they would pay continuously for SaaS. And that uncertainty affected our initial pricing, which was on the lower side as an attempt to remove any obstacles from the initial purchase. And not knowing if people would resonate with the subscription model also made us focus on providing the clearest value proposition from the start. We positioned our tool as a means for the teacher to earn more money and spend more time with their family. That was really what Feedback Panda was, and that was what we sold. More two hours a day. That's kind of what the slogan was on the website. Like, save two hours of time every single day didn't really tell them what the tool was. It just said, you will save time. And two hours a day is a lot for somebody who makes um, 20 bucks an hour. And you could teach for two hours more, making 40 bucks more a day, which is significant over a month. Or you could spend the time with your kids and really be there for your family. And we trusted that paying 10 bucks a month, or initially it was five bucks a month even, to get back these two hours every day would speak for itself. And it did. Many people really resonated with that. So that first question was, do they already pay for solutions to their problems? We found yes, and we kind of figured, okay, let's see if they do this continuously, and they do. Right? That, that was what we, what we learned pretty quickly. The second question that we asked before we went into business was, do they have purchasing agency? And the second question about the budget that we researched was, who would really purchase, uh, purchase our subscriptions? We were selling into a gig economy market. So these online schools would hire teachers as contractors, just like Uber would hire drivers as contractors and pay them on an hourly basis. And this immediately deterred us from trying to sell to the schools. Not only would it have been super hard to sell to Chinese businesses in the first place, because it's really hard to do business in China without being in China or having access to Chinese nationals doing this business for you. But since the teachers we were aiming to help weren't employees, it was quite likely that there wasn't even a budget at these schools to support them more than necessary. They built the tools they needed, but they didn't really care much about the teachers and their experience because the money that those schools made came from the parents and the students, or I guess the parents of the students, that were taught through their platform. So the platforms were totally focused on making this a great experience for the students and for their parents who actually paid the money But teachers were left with, well, do whatever you need to do to make your money. Teachers were a drain. Teachers were an expense for this company. And they weren't going to make tools for somebody they would have to pay. And we looked into this um, 
just trying to sell to Chinese or educational institutions to begin with. And we found that other businesses had reliably failed to reach agreements with these Chinese educational institutions and businesses. So we didn't even go for that. We knew it was a a hard road to walk, an impossible road to walk on. And and we just really thought, no, this is not going to be the way. So that left the teachers themselves. We noticed that many teachers understood that they were freelancers, essentially self-employed teachers. And with that came an understanding that they were responsible for their own success. I mean, it was quite obvious because the schools wouldn't help them more than they would have to. So people took stuff into their own hands. Additionally, they they talked to each other, right? There was a lot of exchange in the communities and they suggested that um, purchases like software were tax deductible. They understood that they were business owners, that they were entrepreneurial on some level compared to a normal teacher, not normal, but to a brick and mortar teacher that would go to a school and teach classes and would be actually gainfully employed. These freelance teachers understood that they were business people. And seeing all this gave us a very clear indication that selling to the individual teachers was a good idea because they had control over their budgets because they understood that they would have to have a budget to begin with and they could choose to buy without having to ask anyone else for permission, which is one of the big problems if you're selling to educational facilities. Usually you want to help the teachers in the field. You want to help the students or you want to help some managerial people in, um, in a school, but the budget is usually held um, by somebody high up. So you will have to, um, yeah, you really make a, make the sales approach work for these people higher up, but build the product for the people further in the field, like the actual teachers. And this purchasing agency is an exceptionally relevant thing when it comes to budget. If there's this person you're building your business for has no means to buy your solution, because they have no agency, then either you lose the sale immediately or you need to convince them to escalate this purchase to somebody else who has the means to buy. In the case of a brick-and-mortar teacher, they would have to talk maybe to the principal to buy your software. Essentially, you have to equip those people that have to use your product or should use your product with convincing material to present to their superiors. And that is hard. Particularly for bootstrap business, this is asking quite a bit because you'll likely be busy building the product, making sure that customers are supported, interacting with your users and creating a professional brand around the service as well. The less handholding you need to do to get a sale, the better. And when you find a target audience that you want to serve and figure out a problem you want to help them with, make sure that the distance between those you're building for and those who'll pay for it isn't too high. In the best case, there's no such distance and you're selling directly to the person who uses your product. It's easier to sell a freelancer invoicing solution directly to freelancers who need to write invoices than it is to sell a developer productivity tool to large enterprise businesses where the user of your tool is the developer, but the buyer sits in a completely different business division in another building, maybe even in another city, right? The first example of this freelancer invoicing solution, it's so much easier to deal with if you are essentially a solopreneur or have a really small business. And there also might be a switching cost to adopting your product that your users don't see, but the purchaser might understand. Those purchasing decisions are made with the understanding of the whole system in which they are made. And a developer in a software business might not understand what their tech lead decides because they only see their day-to-day work. So 
trying to get them to convince their tech lead to buy something might be hard if they don't bring the right arguments. And knowing exactly what you're up against is instrumental in getting your sales pitch right. And maybe even the sales pitch that you give people to give to their superiors. So consider there might also be a reputation risk for your users to bring this up to their boss, right? Again, with the example of the developer, what if they suggest using your product and they use it and it crashes the servers a day later? What if it becomes super expensive and causes damage to financial damage to the business? You'll need to have answers for users who might anxiously ask you these kind of questions before they actually talk to their superiors. So budget and purchasing agency are the things you need to figure out before you dive into your business, before you write the first line of code, before you build anything. That needs to be clear. And you need to make sure that there's at least a reasonable chance that you can reliably sell your product to your target audience, that you can build a sales process. And this is a validation effort that needs to happen early. So don't fall into this build it and they will come trap. Right? Your entrepreneurial optimism will blind you to the reality out there because it's complicated and businesses have structures and politics that you need to be aware of. So leave the building, peer into that reality, learn and ensure that your business is built on a solid foundation. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Avid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. You can find my book, Zero to Sold, at zerotosold.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter, send an email to arvid at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me in the Bootstrap Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It'll help other founders and founders-to-be Find the podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.